Kentucky to the youth camp over here at Golan. And wouldn't you know that God called three of them guys to preach? And this is one of them. Say something. So wonderful to be here. So wonderful to see so many that, that I know and that I don't know. But when the Holy Ghost comes in, we're all family here, ain't we? So when the Holy Ghost comes in, we can let loose and have church just like we're at home. Amen. Glory be to God. I was standing back there, and, and I'll, I'll, I'll say this and get out of the way. I was standing back there, and a, a, that very familiar verse of Scripture came to my mind. Weeping may endure for the night, but joy, but joy cometh in the morning. And I preached a little while back on weeping may endure for the night. But we've been made to endure the night. Hallelujah. And just like they were singing here about that friend that sticketh closer than a brother. How many is thankful for Jesus in the house? And when, he, when you're so low and it's so dark and you can't see what's, what's in front of you. And you don't know what way to go. And you don't know what way to turn. We can just know that Jesus is walking beside of us. That Jesus is holding our hand and he'll lead us all the way home. I say we let loose and have some more church. How about you? It's good to be here tonight. Hallelujah. Great. I love this. We. We've seen running and shouting and singing and hooping and hollering. This is, this is wonderful. I don't see how some of these folks take it in these more formal churches. They just go there, I guess they use it as a sleep clinic. Maybe that's what it is. Anyways, boy, it's wonderful to be here tonight. Good to see all the folks here from Keene Mountain. And uh, got, a, got a great showing from Keene Mountain here and the rest of you Tabernacle people. And uh, Jacob and Aubrey driving over here this evening. And uh, Tim and Angel, good to see them. Whenever I came to Richlands camp meeting, been been coming here my whole life. I was born in March, and my parents brought me here in August. And uh, my whole life, we used to go over there to Keisha's house. Remember that 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 bowl that we played volleyball in? Tim Varney was one of the most competitive volleyball players. I mean, I was like six or seven years old. He was up there just spiking it on me. Competitive guy, but good to see him tonight. It's been a while. Good to see them. Well, do we have time for the preaching this evening? I pray I can say something that would be beneficial to you and help you. The Gospel of Luke this evening, chapter number 23. The Gospel of Luke, chapter number 23. <clears throat> I uh, was coming out of Pikeville this past Saturday and was headed toward Lexington, thanks to Brother Nick, helping me drive a uh, vehicle up there, and um, I felt the Lord slip this in on me, and I thought, well, uh, that must be for, uh, for a church back up in Ohio that I was supposed to preach at uh, here later on, and I thought, well, I'll work on it sometime later, and I didn't know that this revival would just keep on going. I had no idea we'd, that we'd be here tonight, but I'm going to try to follow the leading of the Lord and try to preach this out. And so I desire your prayers and desire your help. Now we've shouted, we've sang for the last hour. 
So just bargain with me. Maybe 25, 30 minutes and we'll get back to all of that, all right? But I, I, I like the word of God. I really do. Luke chapter number 23, verse number 44. And it was about the sixth hour. And there was darkness over all the earth until the ninth hour. I want to read that again. And it was about the sixth hour. And there was darkness over all the earth until the ninth hour. The sun was darkened. And the veil of the temple was rent in the midst. Notice how descriptive this these two verses of scriptures are whenever Jesus was about ready to give up the ghost. It was darkness from hour number six until hour number nine. Right in the middle of the day, it was darkness until the ninth hour. I want to preach to you tonight, if the Lord would help me, on the ninth hour. May God add his blessings to the reading of his word. No further was the cry from that veil of the temple. The holy place that God dwelt and communed through one man one time a year. That veil of the temple was a partition. It was a barrier that kept man from fellowship with God. Whenever we study the, uh, the depictions of the sanctuary and that tabernacle... We find that it's divided into different parts and how we find that uh, on that uh, outer court. Now that outer court is interesting because I think that speaks of, of, of natural daylight. And I'm going to try to uh, figuratively talk about this this evening. But that, that outer court speaks about the daylight that God gives everybody. We had a little rain move in this afternoon but... It moved out and God gave us a little bit of sunshine. Beautiful evening, really. God gives us each daylight, doesn't he? The Bible tells us over in Titus that the grace of God which bringeth salvation hath appeared unto all men. There's not a man that will stand at the judgment bar of Christ that can look God in the eye and say, you did not give me a chance. But God has gave every man an opportunity at some time or another, God will reveal himself to everybody that has ever breathed any of God's air. That outer court speaks of the daylight. And then secondly, we find that, uh, that uh, inner court. Whenever you walked inside of that tabernacle, there it was be lined with candles on side to side. And that is the entrance way. Into a new world, a new way of life, that walk of faith, if I could put it that way. But as the daylight comes from God on the outside that everyone will receive, whenever you step into that new nature, and boy, it was so wonderful baptizing and seeing what God was doing last night for those five people that came forward. I didn't bring any clothes with me, and that's the first time I ever just jumped in a baptismal pool in my suit pants. But it, it worked, praise God. They walked into that candlelight, if I could put it that way. They walked into that life of faith, which puts the responsibility now on the one that God has called from the outside to walk into the inside. The candlelight speaks of manufactured. 
Something that was manufactured by the hands of man on this walk of faith. How many knows this evening that our God gives us faith that we can move mountains? And I love that. I love that scripture. If you've got the faith the size of a grain of mustard seed, you can speak to this mountain, be thou removed and cast into the sea. How just a little bit of faith goes a long way. But I read the quote one day, sure, God gives us faith to move mountains. Just don't be surprised when he hands you the shovel. Don't be surprised whenever God says, you need to work a little bit harder. Y'all still here this evening? Don't be shocked whenever God says, there's some things that you've got to do. I'm glad for the positional grace that we have in our Lord Jesus Christ. But there's also a practical work to this as well. We, there, there is a practicing of grace. There is a faith through the working of our lives and giving it wholly over to the work of Jesus Christ. There is that inner court that is filled with the candlelight of faith. And then when you move a little bit deeper into that tabernacle, you get into that third place. And it's that third place that I've got to preach about this evening. There stands in front of that third place, that holy of holies, that barrier that kept man from communing with God. Man was left on the outside of this giant barrier, this giant curtain. When the high priest once a year would walk in on the day of atonement to atone for the sins of the entire nation, he would have to pass through that veil. Now, ladies, this, this, this veil or this curtain is not like the curtains in your living room. This was a major operation. I like what, and I'm going to read a little bit of commentary on this. They said that this veil weighed approximately 4,700 pounds. Can you imagine husbands toting curtains around for your wife that weighed 4,000 plus pounds? 4,700 pounds it weighed, 60 foot long, 30 foot wide, 72 squares that were put together. And it took 300 of the priests to carry this veil. In Jewish history, the description of this veil is so great in its strength that the Talmud describes it as something that could not be cut in half even by an earthquake. Josephus said that this was so strong and so tightly woven together that you could hook up 12 yoke of oxen on the left side, 12 yoke of oxen on the right side, and going in different directions, even the strength, the brute force strength of 24 oxen would be unable to tear this barrier between God and man apart. But the Bible says, the Bible says in Hebrews chapter number 1 and verse number 3, who being in the brightness of His glory and the express image of His person and upholding all things by the word of His power, when He had by Himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of majesty on high. 
then what 12 yoke of oxen and 24 brutal beasts could not tear apart at the hour of the ninth hour when Jesus gave up the ghost the book says the veil in the temple was rent in twain from top to the bottom and might I shout this tonight there's never been a man like Jesus I said there's never been a man like the son of God there's never been a savior like him. There's never been a man talk like him. I tell you, we need to lift up the name of Jesus in this tabernacle tonight. When the veil in the temple was rent in twain from top to bottom, the Apostle Paul would go on to describe this about that middle wall, that partition. Being broken down by the power of Jesus Christ. What earthquakes could not do in the strength manufactured by men could not do just by Jesus giving up the ghost and closing the door on the law and opened up the dawning of a new day. I tell you, our God, our Jesus hath great power. Whenever that middle wall, that partition, that veil was broken down. One night the great reformer Martin Luther was awoken in his sleep. And uh, looked up brother Jason at the foot of his bed. There stood the devil himself. And the devil had a great big list of sins that he had written of Martin Luther's life. All these sins here, all these sins there. I mean, just a big, big laundry list of sins that Martin Luther had committed. And the devil said, Martin Luther, are you guilty of all these sins? Martin Luther said, yes, I did that. Yes, I lied. Yes, I cheated. Yes, I should not have said this. I'm guilty of every one of them. And the devil said, well, Martin Luther, what do you have to say for yourself and who will pay for these sins? He said, I'm guilty of every one of them from top all the way down to the very last. But do me one favor, devil. At the bottom of that list, write the words forgiven by the blood of Jesus Christ. I tell you, my God is a forgiving God. My Jesus is a forgiving Jesus. He's my Savior. I tell you, He's made a way by the blood of the cross. I tell you, Jesus has torn the veil. He's torn the veil. Has been rent in twain at the ninth hour. But tonight, I want to deal with this specifically. Because it's from hour number six, hour number seven, and hour number eight, where I have seen great revivals cease from going to the next level. It's in those periods of darkness. The ninth hour being about three o'clock in the afternoon. It's in that period of time where it should be light all the time. But when the devil sends darkness that surrounds us from every angle, 
in hours number six, seven, and eight. It is in those moments. It is in those trying times. It is in those periods of difficulty that sometimes uh, there are good people that walk through spaces of darkness that I'm afraid they never get out. The darkness that we read about here, when you look at it in the original language, is darkness like fell upon the people in the land of Egypt. It was a darkness that could be felt. It was a heaviness that was laid upon their shoulders. I want to tell you this evening, brother and sister, if you're here tonight and you say, Lord, it's dark all around me. I'm in that period of great darkness that surrounds me. I want to tell you, don't give up. Don't throw in the towel. There will be a ninth hour that's coming in your direction. In hours, in hours where the darkness just envelops us. I want to tell you, I've watched many people go up against things in life that they never get out of. They walk into that cave of despair, Brother Mark. They go into that, that, that avenue that seems to be never ending, no light at the end of the tunnel type of darkness. Oh, the darkness that surrounds us with bad doctor's reports. Oh, the darkness that surrounds us when we hear what's going on in our nation. There's a heavy darkness. There's a heavy darkness that surrounds us here in this tabernacle tonight. But I want to tell you folks, there is a ninth hour that's about to spring forth. And there's something new that's It's about to happen. It's the darkness that comes unexpectedly. Have you ever faced those unexpected spaces of darkness? I don't understand this. I don't know why good things happen to bad people. Nor do I understand why Bad things happen to good people. It rains on the just. I don't understand that. But it also rains upon the unjust. I don't understand why. Why even. Even. Even the best folks that I've ever shook hands with in all my life. Have to watch as their children are buried and they know they weren't right with God. Even though their parents lived for God their entire lives seemingly. Good preachers that's even preached here at the tabernacle. Watches their children make a mess of their lives. I tell you, there's great darkness. There's great darkness that happens to every one of us. I remember Brother Collins told me, Several years ago, that one of the strongest men that he ever met in all of his life, he got a phone call from him way up in the middle of the night. He said, LL, LL, I'm at a breaking point and I'm about to have a nervous breakdown. I've not slept much in the last six days and I just got the call. It'll be another $300 
to bail my child out of jail this evening. Brother Collins said, I'll tell you what I'll do. He jumped in the car at that moment. He drove to South Alabama and loaned that preacher $300 to bail his child out of the pen. Oh, folks, if we could only understand that just because it might be sunshine in your life and you've got money in the bank at your bank account and you've got everything going good in your life doesn't mean that it's dark and someone else's. Bear ye one another's burdens. Oh, lift your hands all over this house. I, I need to deal with this tonight. Lord, help me to preach this. Lord. deal with this tonight brother Philip I'm sorry give me some more time listen folks you're sitting in darkness in your spirit and you cannot even live because the darkness that you've been sitting in you don't think that things will ever be any different that things will ever change again because the darkness is overwhelmed Your life isn't over with tonight just because you made one bad mistake. I don't know why people turn the lights off in their life. I don't know why people would leave the holiness church. I don't know why people would want to leave the house of God and they turn the lights off in their own life. I want to tell you your life ain't over because you made one bad choice. Darkness. Surrounds us. I said, that's what I said. I said, God, coming on the other side of Pikeville, I said, God, where are you at in all of this? Where can you somehow make sense in my mind? Would you give me some sort of supernatural thought that all this would make sense? Lord, why am I here? Why am, what am I doing here at Richlands for three weeks? This is why I felt the Lord speak to me and whisper to me. If my trial, if Jesus' trial had a beginning and it was dark even in Jesus' world, if there was a darkness for me, if there was a beginning of this trial for me, and there was an ending of that trial for me, there will be an end of the darkness for you. Hallelujah. I feel like preaching tonight and tell you the ninth hour's coming. I said the ninth hour's coming. We're not going to sit in darkness forever. We're not going to stay down forever. There's a ninth hour. There's a revival in the ninth hour that's springing forth and a new day. And there's sunlight again. I tell you, things are about to happen here in the ninth hour. a trial for brother Roger Boyd if there was a beginning there will be an end to that trial if there was a trial for the Richlands tabernacle of darkness 
If there was a beginning of that trial, there will be an end to that darkness. Yes, sir. Oh, lift your hands. For the Lord is here in this building tonight, saints. great of a preacher none greater than John the Baptist Jesus said that was born of a woman if John the Baptist is in that eighth hour and he's doubting Jesus are you really who you said that you were oh the questions that are so indicative to the eighth hour of crisis Where we feel like, Jesus, you're far removed from me. You're far gone from me. Are you really who you said you was? I want to tell you tonight, if you feel like that God is nowhere around in that eighth hour, you hold on a little longer, you'll see He's all around you. I said you'll see He's all around you. He's all around me. Go tell John. Go tell John. Go tell John. I've come to tell John tonight. Go tell John. Last night we had Joe. Tonight we got John. Go tell John that the sick are being healed. Go tell John the dead are being raised. Go tell John it's the ninth hour at the Richlands Tabernacle and there will be a renewing. There will be a revival. There will be a new day. Hallelujah. 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 If there was ever a man that knew what it was to go from hour 6, 7, and 8. We read about in the Bible, Brother David. It was a man by the name of Joseph. If there was ever a man that knew what it was to start in the sixth hour of his brothers forsaking him. And throwing him inside of a pit. If that wasn't bad enough in hour number 6. As he cries for help from his father. Our number seven says, you're going to be sold as a slave to Egypt. And Joseph, no doubt, probably thought, God, where are you at in all this? I'm riding the train of a slave to the land of Egypt. But Joseph, what you don't realize is, that's the buggy to carry you to the throne. You're just in hour number seven, Joseph. There'll be a night hour. Hold on. Hold on. Stay with it. Don't go nowhere. There'll be a night hour. If hours number six and seven aren't bad enough, then hour number eight gets a little bit darker. Literally gets darker. The man that he worked for, Potiphar, his wife wrongly accused him. And now it gets even darker in our number eight that Joseph is thrown 
into the prison cell if being a slave wasn't bad enough if being rejected wasn't bad enough now the guy is at the bottom of despair I heard brother Huff preach one night uh, and he was preaching about the rock of ages and he said saints uh, always remember when you hit rock bottom uh, you're in the right place uh, because Jesus is the rock uh, at the bottom hallelujah it's rock bottom in hour number eight. God, where are you at in all of this? Let me tell you why Joseph knew how to manage a famine. It wasn't his first famine that he had to manage. Let me tell you why Joseph had the goods for what the Pharaoh needed and how Joseph knew how to manage the famine. It's because Joseph knew how to manage Joseph. Y'all still awake tonight? If I can learn how to manage David. If you can learn how to manage yourself. Don't get bitter at God. Don't get bitter at the church. Don't get bitter at the leadership. And no, they ain't paying me to say this. I want to tell you, don't get bitter at the things of God. Learn how to manage yourself. Joseph kept his integrity in hour number eight. And in the darkness of the night, it's the eighth hour and someone's knocking on my door. I can imagine as Joseph is weary getting up from that dirt or that rocky jagged edged floor thinking who is at the door just let me if being a slave wasn't bad enough just let me be a prisoner this, it's hour number 8 Joseph but hour number 8 has a beginning and hour number 8 has an end hey Joseph We heard from the rest of these compadres you've got down here. For all of you Mexicanos, all of your amigos you got down here, Joseph. We heard from all of your pals and all your buddies that you know something about dreams. They was telling us that you had a dream as a little boy about how how there was one sheath that that was risen up and stood up against all the rest of them. And... They said how you interpreted dreams for the butcher. How, how, how you talked to the baker and interpreted his dream. And Joseph, there's a man in this kingdom that's got a problem. Joseph wakes up out of the eighth hour. And whenever he steps foot into that palace of the most powerful man on the face of planet earth. He stepped into the ninth hour. Take one step. Take one more step. You just might be walking out of the eighth hour and into the ninth hour. You just might be walking out of depression and step into the joy of the Lord. You might be walking out of fear into goodness and mercy. 
Help me while I preach. You might be walking out of darkness into the marvelous light. Take another step. It's the ninth hour. Joseph kept his integrity all the way to hour number nine. And when hour number nine came in his life, he's seen, my, how the tables have turned. Can I just say this tonight? Boy, I love this. I love this place. I love what we're doing around here. Are y'all wore out and tired yet? You look pretty lively an hour ago, all right? Somebody put that back up on the video feed. These folks were alive and well one hour ago. They really were. I just feel like telling the devil tonight. And I'm going to be the spokesperson right here for the Richlands Tabernacle. What's Trump's new spokeslady? Kaylee McEnany. Boy, she's good, by the way. She's great. She tears into those reporters every day. I love it. I'm going to be the Kayla McEnany of the Rich Saints Tabernacle right here. Devil, the tables have turned. Brother Philip, I feel like saying it again. Richlands Tabernacle, I've come to tell the devil tonight, the tables have turned. It's the ninth hour. It's the ninth hour. There'll be daylight. There'll be sunlight again. There'll be earthquakes and graves opening up. And that which was dead will live again. It's the ninth hour. Come on, church worship. Come on, church, let's worship God right here. We're going to have to have an altar call right now. From the word of the Lord tonight, devil... Jesus Christ has turned the tables on you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Jesus Christ has done it. Hallelujah. 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 How about you tonight, Saint? How about you tonight, King Mountain folks? How about you tonight? I, whenever I seen old Ashton take off, run around this building a few minutes ago, Brother Jackie, last night I was screaming, Go, Joe, go. Tonight I'm saying, Go, Ashton, go. What's he doing? He's stepping out of the darkness. I said he's stepping out of the darkness. And Jesus says tonight, It's the ninth hour. Step out of the darkness. 
Step out of that darkness you're in right now. Step out of that depression that you're in right now. The devil can't break bark over your head all day long. There will be a renewing. There will be a renewing. There will be a revival at the ninth hour. Jesus, step out of that. Come on out of that. Jesus will open the way to you. Hallelujah. 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 Come on. Step out of the darkness. Oh, there's great life. And there's great light on this side of the room.
Father. Presence, you with us, all the strongholds of the enemy fall down. 